Welcome to season two of Joyfield and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. This season, I'm sharing stories of how we as the people of God are experimenting with being joy-fueled and Jesus-led. In this episode, I have the immense pleasure of bringing you part two of an interview with Ed Corey about his new book, Becoming a Face of Grace, Navigating Lasting Relationship with God and Others. Ed is an addiction recovery specialist and president of Equipping Hearts and was also my Thrive Trainer for Track One training back in 2013. Today, among other insights, Ed shares the power of recognizing the difference between a face of grace and a face of performance, as well as the four R's of grace that guide us when we have failed to be the best of ourselves. Hope you enjoy. So I've got Ed back with me, and we're going to continue our conversation today um, around the book, Becoming a Face of Grace. We just have so much to talk about, and I'm so thankful to have you, Ed, with us again. Thank you for being here. You are very welcome. Thanks. Um, I want to jump right, right in to where we left off uh, last time, and um, we, we were talking about the learning process and, and how much I appreciate your, you really pulling that out and, and delineating it so well for us, but we haven't actually talked about what a face of grace is. <laughs> and so we had all that conversation and didn't actually get to what do you mean by face of grace? And I want to read a, one quote um, you know, at the very beginning that I just loved, and, um, and so I pulled it out. And, and then I want to hear from you on uh, this concept of face of grace. What do you, what do you mean by this? But this is what you say. In its most profound form, grace is a relational truth you and I experience or don't in the context of our face-to-face -face interactions with others. That's why learning to find grace reflected in other people's faces and becoming a face of grace to those around us are some of the main themes of this book. Can you just comment on what this idea of face of grace is? A face of grace is what the look on somebody's face is when they see you as special and their favorite. There is something that lights up uniquely on their face when they're seeing you that way. It's a reflection of how God sees them, and it's a reflection of how mm -hmm. God sees you, mm. captured in that face-to-face -face interaction. Wow. Um, wow. Now, many things get stirred up when I hear you say that, so I, I'm going to go for one of them. One of the exercises I used to do a lot with churches when, when I first learned about joy and all of this was, I would say, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and picture the people closest to you that you live with daily, right? Just picture their faces in your mind and notice what their face is communicating to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I would do that exercise and, and hands down, most people would say things. My parents are confused when they look at me, they have no idea what to do with me. That was the conversation that would, that would ensue in, in these meetings. And, and I realized with my journey, obviously those people that wasn't their only look on their face with me, right? Like 
there were many moments where my husband saw me and was glad to be with me. There were so many moments that my parents were glad to be with me. But for whatever reason, in that stage of my adult life, the only images that came through to me were the bad ones. And I couldn't connect to their faces of grace, right? Right. And, you know, it's been my own journey through Life Model Works and everything with y'all has been a, a 10 year, 15 year process. And there was a moment when that broke. And it was, it for me, it was directly through Joy Smiles with my husband, the exercise uh-huh. that you promote of Joy Smiles. <laughs> we started doing Joy Smiles. It started shifting the foundation of my attachments. And I realized he's present. He's actually looking at me. He's not looking at his phone. He's, <laughs> he's really looking. So it was almost like the truth that was happening was questioning these uh, these images I had in my head, right? Of uh-huh. not, and, and it's not that they were non-truth, but it, it was they weren't the full truth, right? Right, exactly. And that finally broke. And then it was almost like I got all this good back. Like I started feeling the joy that I had been given <laughs> yeah. when I was a child. So first of all, when I heard you talk about these, you know, these uh, faces of grace and these people get mirroring this to you, I, I felt grief first because I didn't see those faces of grace for whatever reason, even though they had been there. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you to talk about that a little bit because I don't fully understand it. And, and you've worked in this so much longer. So what is that about? Um, I'll t- tell you the process I use when I'm working with folks. Okay. Um, first is they need to understand what grace is. Um, Grace traditionally comes across as, well, that's unmerited favor. What is that? That is grace. And you go round and around like the hamster on the wheel and nobody knows what that means after a while. Or grace is about salvation and that's it. Um, To really get a handle on grace as a relational concept, uh, I found this wonderful book by a guy named John Barclay. Uh, Barclay traces the origins of the word grace. And to make a long story short, Barclay says in ancient Greece, if someone from a, a higher social, economic, political, whatever position than you um, wanted to have a relationship with you, he would send a servant to your door with a gift. That was the caress, that was the grace. When he knocked on your door and said, this is from, let's say it's from Tony. Um, Ed, she wants a relationship with you. Here's the caress. My understanding was Tony wants a relationship with me that endures, that lasts, that's mutual. So when I receive it, I am saying yes to the relationship. Wow. Receiving the gift saying yes to the relationship. So just to clarify, it's not just that I'm getting a gift. It's that I, it's the intention behind that yes. gift of, of yeah. I'm giving you this because I want a relationship with you. Okay. Wow. That was, wow. that's the understanding, relational understanding that went with that. So when I say grace, I'm talking about you are so special and favorite to me that I want a relationship with you. Um, when I think about God's grace, then yes, special and favorite will lead you to salvation. But if you really catch the relational part of it, it draws you in to getting to know this person who's extending himself, meaning Jesus, so that you can know him and his heart. Grace received is always supposed to be grace reflected. So we get to look for it. 
if you don't tell people or if I don't tell people that's the special and favorite part that we're looking for, then when I'm asking them to think about special and favorite, they will pull up the negative stuff. The other thing that's very profound, it sounds simple, cliche, trite, but stories, stories are huge. I take the initiative and tell my face of grace stories. And they're as alive to me now or when I'm telling them as they were when it happened or when I wrote the book. I had this experience online the other day talking to somebody about uh, a group about Faces of Grace. And I told the story and the guy goes, well, that reminds me of the time. And I'm like, you got it. When groups start to catch this, and if you tell the story right, you tell them what happened, what your body felt like, uh, what emotions you were feeling, what you did, um, they start to connect with their own stories. I, in working with people, I've not had that intense grief reaction. What I've had instead are sometimes um, face of performance stories, uh, which are well, I did this and this and this, so they really responded this way to me. And I don't correct it because I figure if they hear the stories long enough, they'll start to catch. No, this isn't because you did something that deserve it. Um, it's one of the most profound breakthrough moments I saw when somebody who'd been sitting in training for about five months, about three hour trainings once a month, suddenly came to the realization that they had no face of grace stories. It was profound because it was then they were able to start receiving grace because they weren't trying to perform for it. So I have tend to have those stories more than I have just grief. There's nobody there, wow. but it's the sequence that I introduce the stuff in um, okay. and really work with them, interact with them about it that is helpful. Wow, that's profound. So talking about this and grief, I'm going to press in in a different area now. Okay. So as I was reading and you have a, you have so many good just chapters that are really poignant on different issues with grace, right? So the, so the one on grace and identity, I was drawn to absolutely amazing. You, you say, from this, our most dependent and needy baby state, you're explaining how we grow our identity, right? Identity is born and progressively takes form. The more you and I come to know ourselves through our parents' joyful eyes of grace, the more we begin to see ourselves that way. So I'm going to attack this from a different, a totally different perspective now, because we could grieve that we didn't, maybe we didn't get that as children, right? But Nobody I did. Nobody gets nobody it to the degree that God would like them to have it. They say nobody gets grace to the full measure that God has for them. Wow. Because there are no unicorns and there are no flying horses. There are no perfect parents that mirror God's face 24-7 throughout a lifetime. Yeah. So I'm dealing right now with, with parents and myself included. We didn't know any of this when our first child was born. And some of us, none of, you know, through all of our children, we're, we're reading all this and understanding it and going, I didn't give my child any of this. Like I was busy. I was, you know, I thought I had to do it right. Or I thought I had to 
you know, provide for their needs more than actually their emotional needs. And I didn't know how to do it right. And we're also, a lot of our children are now with personality disorders, right? We're talking borderline and um, narcissism or even just other mental health issues, right? And so there's this, what I'm experiencing is a deep grief. All of the moms that I know, we're just grieving that we weren't able to give them what they needed. And that grieving, of course, uh, that weakness takes us straight to Christ to get what we need, right, for that. Yes. And to pray that that they will learn to let him love them. Like someone asked me the other day, what's your main prayer for your daughter who's struggling? And I said that, that she would let God love her, like that she would let his face shine upon her, that, that she would let that love in because it's yeah. there. It's there in him. No, I was not there perfectly for her. And I deformed her brain in critical ways. She encountered lots of trauma in her life. I mean, I'm not taking the responsibility for where she is all on me. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 she had lots of trauma in Uruguay. It was devastating. It was devastating. So um, that coupled with the, <laughs> the yeah. other things, it was a perfect storm, right? To right. create difficulty in her life. And so I, I don't know, I would love, what would you say? to these moms, to me and other moms who are finding deep um, meaning in Jesus and this attachment, we're, we're restoring our attachment to God. He's restoring that attachment with us and we're reveling in it, but we're also <laughs> grieving, grieving that we, we couldn't give this, that we can celebrating that we still can, because most of our children do still look to us and love uh -huh. us, but, but begging God that, that they can receive that grace at some point. What would you say to us? There are four R's of grace. I talk about two of them in this book and all four in the second book. They are receive, reflect, repair, and restore. Receive means that, for example, as a parent, there's stuff I couldn't give the kids because I didn't have it to give. So part of me needs to really receive yeah. being a place to receive uh, especially grace and special and favorite mm. and honestly most people i'd say 90 way over 90 percent of the people i work with have had faces of grace in their life they just weren't consistent enough over time if you go back and find them there is a lot of healing and recognizing that God was expressing himself to me, even though I didn't know it. Um, you know, a lot of the stories of faces of grace in my book, um, when I sat down to think about it, I was having such a blast because there's God's face and there it is. And there it is. And there it is. So there's, there's the receiving part. Reflecting means I start to reflect to other people what I'm receiving. And the reason I only talk about those two in this book is because receiving and reflecting are where everything starts. The two other R's are repairing and restoring. And these, after all, are functions of God's family. All four of these are. Um, the repair part is grieving allowing Jesus to be with us in our grief, to understand how he saw us and people 
from his perspective, to help us forgive, to help us repent, to help us do all those things um, that we need to clean up on our end so we can receive the new he wants to give us. And so we're back to re receiving and reflecting again. The restore part is not that we make the relationship fine because we can't, that's not, that's called codependency. What we do is we, um, God restores us attachment wise and in our identity, the person he always made us to be. And from that platform, that stable platform, God shows us how to uh, relate to those people, to our kids, to other people, uh, the way that he wants us to right then and there. Because you cannot go back and undo the first couple of years of life, grade school, high school, whatever. But you can be repaired and then restored to from that place of health now. Wow. Um, how he would relate to them if uh, he were you right now. Wow. Thank you. That means a lot to me. You know, I'm thinking too, for our podcasters, we've been talking a lot over the last uh, two seasons about um, the book, Four Keys to Parent, Parent Fearlessly. And in that book, the first part of it, I wrote about letting God parent me, that mm -hmm. that's the only way I can parent fearlessly yep. is to let him parent me. And I work the four steps with myself and him so that then I can be Jesus led in parenting them right. in being able to to have that continual connection with him on God, what do they need right, right now? But I can only do that when he's removed my fear, when he's, you know, ministered to me, healed me of my wounds and all yep. of that so that then I can see them first of all, and then hear him as he wants yep. me to parent them. So um, that's, just exciting. Um, it's, it's so exciting when God leads you and um, it's confirmed, you know, through others that yeah, this is the good road. Like this is the fight worth fighting. Um, we need to continue this. <laughs> and, and what's exciting to me about it is God does all four, but he designed his family to do all four for each other because we can't get there by ourselves. You just don't make this journey in the four hours by yourself. So it's something that the family of God can br help bring deep healing mm -hmm. into um, the lives of other people. But if you don't see people through God's eyes to begin with, why would I want to get involved? <laughs> why would we want yeah. to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you've been hurt in that realm by the church. Yes. <laughs> yep. But it's beautiful because he does. He wants to re he wants us to receive from him. He wants to heal us from even those wounds um, and then take us back into healthier community. So, so beautiful. Ed, anything else you want to say today about Faces of Grace as we close the second podcast? I, I've so enjoyed um, being with you and I'm, I'm thrilled about these books and the, the, the other, this one and the ones coming out. Thank you again for your hard work. What else would Thank anything you. else anything else you'd like to say? I think uh, faces of grace are not just for God's family. Mm -hmm. They are for the community around us. They're for our coworkers. Mm -hmm. They're for our neighbors. There are for um, you know people we don't like very much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jesus is hysterical. He goes, 
you know, mm -hmm. um, if you love those who are loving you, the, the, a lot of translations go, what credit is that to you? The word there is grace. It's literally saying, if you're only loving those who are loving you, where's the grace in that? <laughs> it's like this reflecting being a face of grace when you've grown a strong attachment with Jesus and it affects your individual and your group identity, that really becomes who you are in this world. You reflect God's face of grace to everyone. And when you see a person, you can almost feel how God feels about that person when you see them, even if they're an enemy of yours, like you can still feel how God feels about them and, and reflect that. That is beautiful. And it reminds me of what your wife said to me. Don't ever underestimate the power of simply enjoying someone. Yes. And that made me think of one more thing that I did want to ask you. And that is if you had to, one, this might not even be important, but if you had to define the difference between grace and joy. How would you distinguish between those two? Because it, they feel so interchangeable in many ways, right? So how would you distinguish that for us? They feel interchangeable because they're two forms of the same Greek word, charis and karas. So think about this. If somebody is looking at you like you're special and favorite, and by the way, we're all special favorite right we're all god's favorite but if somebody is looking at you like you are special and favorite and it's genuine your response is going to be joy this person is glad to be with me mm -hmm. so where you find grace you will find joy and where you find joy you often wow. will find grace it's like two forms of the same greek word wow wow like, and then it seems like that person receives that and then it becomes grace to you as they yes. show that back on their face to you. And then you yes. experience joy and then you, okay, that's beautiful. It's a, yeah, two sides to the same coin almost, almost the giving piece and the receiving piece of that. Yep. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Um, and I think that's a great word. I'm going to use your wives to close us of just don't ever underestimate the power of simply enjoying someone. Mm -hmm. um, so that was so powerful for me as a Christian because um, I was so burdened with, I have to evangelize everyone. You know, I, I, we were missionaries, you know, every single person we saw was a target, um, you know, and, and then you're always battling. Did I do it right? Did I share enough? Did I, you know, did I make sure that they heard the gospel, right? Or did I make sure I said the right words? And when, when Maritza said that to me, it just shattered all of that weight and it really helped me go, are you serious, God? Like I, I had a lot, it was years of interacting with God around that of going, what if, if I really just enjoyed people and saw them the way you see them and felt for them, what you feel for them and let that come through my body. Like, is that enough, you know, um, or, or is that sufficient or is that at least a good starting point? Right. Um, and I just sensed him say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then if I tell you to do anything else, do it, but don't do it unless I tell you to. <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. What happens is because God doesn't do us and them. Hmm. I mean, it's crazy that in the name of evangelism, we do us and them, that we have to get them to be like us. The truth is um, <laughs> we are all, you know, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, people can't see me on the podcast, but I'm sitting here mouthing yes and having my hands folded like yes. <laughs> Sorry. 
No, it's it's the us versus them thing is off-putting from the start. If I could just be who God designed me to be and see them through the eyes of grace I've received, mm-hmm. um, the us, the them goes away, and it's us. Um, I think you two said it really well. You know, there is no them; it's only us. Bono says in one of his one of his songs. But I think in terms of grace, it's true, and it's it's more about me being comfortable being the person God's made me to be and reflecting that because then the them goes away. It's just a new person to love. Beautifully said. So I'm going to, I'm going to challenge our podcasters to um, start to think of their faces of grace. And you, in the book, you, you have us do this right every single week or every single chapter. It's like, go out this week and think about your faces of grace and find them and collect them. And it reminds me of how we, we collected appreciation stories, right? These are a type of appreciation story, right? Of really receiving people that are loving you and that are looking at you um, and glad to be with you. And so I think that that, that, that's just a beautiful exercise that, that everyone can do and then start dialoguing and sharing these stories with each other and it will just uh, continue to spark that creativity and imagination and everyone to be looking for these faces and how it seems like you're saying that that step alone is a huge step towards helping people uh, uh, grow the secure attachment with God and with others that, that we're looking for and looking for God's face too, um, as we as we're encountering Him and, and reading Scripture, listening to podcasts, or um, just spending time with Him um, in appreciation, looking for His face and letting it uh, enjoy us is very powerful. Yeah, thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate um, your time, and um, I'll have all the resources in the link below. Um, this podcast. And Ed, if you have any other resources for me, please send them and I'll, I'll make sure I add those uh, down in the links below in the comments. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joyfield and Jesus Led. If you have not yet picked up your copy of Becoming a Face of Grace, you can get it on Amazon in both Kindle and print versions. The link is in the show notes below along with a few other resources that might be helpful on your journey towards sensing God's heart for you and those around you, enabling you to live more joy-filled and Jesus-led. Until next time.